This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you know you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, unlike the Owls, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So there's only one thing left to say. What's everybody having? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means you'll get some tasty rewards later on. And between you and me, if you order just before kickoff, you can get it just in time for half time. But I've not told you that. Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery free and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. See you later. everybody to the Wednesday week not only the most informative knowledgeable and probably the highest percent by ABV Sheffield Wednesday fan podcast but we're also true connoisseurs of pre-match food you don't believe me allow me to elucidate obviously you as a listener to the podcast are aware that we are proudly sponsored by the Riverside Cafe on Catch Bar Lane which offers a selection of beverages to satisfy every taste within a stone's throw of the South Stand But did you also know that their food offerings, both on match day and through the week, have been described as lovely stuff by none other than Shaking Stevens? My name's Eddie, and I'm particularly partial to what I can only describe as their godly fish finger sandwich, served in possibly Sheffield's best bread cake, um, which I like to pair with six pints of Farmer's Blonde. With me on the line tonight, we've got James. James, good evening, sir. That was possibly the strangest starts this podcast we've ever had. And we've had some fucking strange starts this podcast. I like to think of myself as the heir to Lord Hillsborough's slightly weird meanderings. Um, James, what do you like to tickle your taste buds with when you're in the Riverside? Um, I, I was on the blueberry ale on... Um, what was it? Wednesday night. All the days are merging into one. Wednesday night, blueberry ale. Yeah, I've not eaten in there for ages because um, I'm I'm one of those strange people. Unlike the majority of the world, that when I've had uh, a couple of beers, I, I, I'm the opposite. I don't get hungry at all. It's like food. I'm just not interested. I just want more beer. It's like it's it's like that thing where you know you can survive on Guinness if you drink enough of it. It contains all the nutrients that you need. That's effectively how you're living your life right now. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 you know, having spent a bit of time in New York this summer where the beers are like, you know, eight, nine, ten percent I mean, they're like a meal in themselves. You don't need food, really. I mean, you find me some actual scientific evidence that we need food. Go on. Well, I, I've no science behind it. All I know is that if you go to New York and don't indulge yourself in the food that's available in that great city, then you're missing out. But that's probably one for another time. That's not for the Sheffield Hopcast. That's probably for the um, the, the Sheffield Food Cast. Mm. I might need a podcast specialist to, uh, to help flesh <laughs> that one out a little bit. Um, anyway, moving on. We've also got tonight, tonight's trio. There's only three of us tonight. Only tonight's trio, uh, myself, James, and, of course, Sir Daniel of Fudgington. Despite a decade of being a saucer than ponds, um, Fudgy, <laughs> come on, tell me you've still got a hankering for some proper Yorkshire pre-match strand. If you're, if you're I, in the Riverside, what are you ordering? This is going to be one of those very few times when I sound uh, less middle-class than yourself, Eddie. Um, <laughs> because I, when, when I go to the Riverside at a game at Hillsborough, I can't be arsed with the queue. It, it winds me up. And, and just that pushing round. I, I'm not very good with, with, with that small amount of space up there. And uh, I think, you know what? I'm going to circumnavigate this. So I go to the cafe bit downstairs and grab a couple of bottles of Corona that or Peroni that they've got in the um, in the chiller cabinet. Now, nice. with, with it being a cafe, uh, you know, I cast my eye on a uh, a lovely a lovely lattice, or uh, if if I'm in the mood for something savoury, a cranberry and uh, jam sandwich, like you know what I mean, brie and, brie and cranberry, yeah, brie and cranberry, uh, little little baguette there, and. Um, I've just realised I am the naffest person in Yorkshire at that point when that happened. That's <laughs> legitimately, uh, when I, I did it like kind of tongue in cheek, ironically, you know, soft southern pond, so you know, it's changed you. You're not as hard as it used to be. And you've literally just come up with, I, I don't want to queue, and uh, I'd like a Brian Cranberry, please. Do you have a panini? Fudge, fudge. Yeah, just, w- w- was the point of that you were saying if the queue upstairs is too bad that you go to the little cafe downstairs and just buy some bottles? Is yes. that what you were, is that what you're getting at? I'm really pleased yes. that that two years of us playing the ad saying new outside bar now open really made an impact on you. Great to know. Great to know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, the, the, I, you know, I can't be asked queuing then. Everybody's because the outside bar is so fabulous. Of course, it's normally really busy, and, and you know, I don't, I don't want to get involved with all that. You know what I mean? I'm, all right. I'm, I'm, well, you know I don't want to get. I don't want to get badgered. And, and I think everybody has gone through that same thought process, including Chris, because that's why now at the outside bar, you can get two pint pots, which it might not halve the queue at the bar, but it doubles the time <laughs> that you need to spend yeah. uh, away from the bar. Peeing. So, <laughs> pee, well, peeing, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, yeah, last night, and let's not get onto the Millwall match yet, but last night, I had to go for a pee three times during the match. But that might be a personal record for me. Normally, I can hold it quite well, but... <laughs> Um, in any case, I think it's fair to say um, that, that, you know, we, we've enjoy, we enjoy our pre-match in the Riverside Cafe on Catch Bar Lane. Um, we want our post-matches to be more cheerful than they have been so far this season. Um, with that in mind tonight, we're going to review not one, not two, but three Owls games. And hopefully um, some of those will, you know, will have given us at least some hope um, that, you know, post-match is a, 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 as much fun as pre-match. So without further ado, let's get into it. We'll start up with 
the milk cup um the the milk cups the secondary cup competition in this country um it will always be the milk cup uh so wednesday had a trip to the we to onto we sides to take on the latest big club to fall foul of relegation to league one we know what that feels like we went away to sunderland um it was thursday night it was live on sky Fudgy, did you um, did you manage to catch the game on iFollow um, or other streams that were 100% legitimate? Yeah, I, I followed it on a 100% legitimate legitimate stream on uh, on Thursday, so that's nice, isn't it? But I, t- I tell you what, I was actually uh, most surprised at was you know one, I'd, I was paying for the um, for what I was seeing. Two, that we managed to play defensive against one of the you know one of the worst clubs currently in freefall, and three. Chris Maguire. I wonder what happened to him. It's nice to see him, isn't it? Oh, I was going to ask you about Chris Maguire. I was thinking, oh, I bet Fudgy was reminiscing the rants that you had about Chris Maguire back in the day. <laughs> as soon as I saw him, I went, look at him. Back down the counter reserve. As soon as I clapped eyes on him, as soon as I saw him, I went, oh, that's nice. It's nice that he's there. But um, but in terms of the game, it was a um, it was a weird one for me because I thought we were very, what's the word, of... We played as well as the opposition would allow, if that makes sense. Now, I, I, I think if Sunderland had a striker that could finish his dinner, um, we'd have uh, we'd have struggled a bit. I, I don't think we were spectacular at all, and and we scored quite fortuitously with a uh, with a big long hoof up the park, and um, and after that, Sunderland kind of capitulated a little bit. But if that um, what's, what was the guy's name up front? Was it Ndai or something like that? The uh, was he, is he Italian or something? The, uh, the the kid they had up front for Sunderland. He was he, he did a lot of running around. You know, he, he was trying hard. <laughs> it, it, it reminded me a lot it? of Lee Peacock. <laughs> you know what I mean? I- are you talking about their uh, their, their Irish striker uh, yeah. on Nien? On Nien. It's basically he's called he's yeah he's basically called Onion. Onion. That's him. Yeah, but he's an Irish. He's an Irish Onion. He's a, he's an he's an, oh Nien. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Onion. Somebody, somebody said onion with hiccups and gone, yeah, that's a good name. Yeah, let's have with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he, he didn't seem to, he ran around a lot, blustered a lot, caused a bit of problems, but he didn't seem to actually be any good at actually putting the ball in the net. Um, so, yeah, so we scored quite fortuitously, rolled out a couple of times, we had a couple of good saves and that type of thing. But it was, uh, I thought Adam Reach particularly covered a, a lot, a lot of ground. Um, I thought we regressed into that thing that we do when. Uh, when we're not on top and Barry Bannon just kind of takes a step back and um, just tries to start spraying Hollywood balls around the park. But we also did a, um, a unique thing that I've not seen us do for a couple of years, which which is quite opposite of the word unique. But um, we did this thing where when uh, the goalkeeper had the ball, Bannon would drop deep and the two centre-backs would kind of part. They would, they would separate onto the edge of 18, which pass it straight to Bannon. And then we'd have this continental spanish style build-up which was a, was a, you know worked a lot better for us against millwall last last night but uh, against sunderland it was just what we're doing why are we i i feel that we gave him a little bit too much respect and i i agree given the start of the season the start to the season we had there deserves to be a, a a monicum of trepidation but but i think we just gave him a little bit too much respect if i'm honest 
I think if um, you're facing a team with two absolutely legendary shithouses in the form of Maguire and Catamol, um, <laughs> I think any, anything you can do to disrupt uh, their satanic way of playing the game um, can only be a bonus. So actually, I think that we probably confounded them a bit with just going randomly continental because what they were expecting was, you know, blood and thunder uh, running yeah. into the channels, etc. And we just started, ra- you know, we, we would just go possession for the first 60 minutes um and it yeah. took all of the steam out of them especially you know especially a thug like catamol who was completely uh you know did, did, did achieve nothing did nothing and i was quite worried about him because uh, uh like i say legendary shithouse and i thought he would be the one that would either uh, you know draw a foul that would would leave us um you know with 10 men or uh, he would seriously injure somebody yeah I, I i agree with you on that one i think he um he didn't really do much, did he? I, 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 he was somebody that I was, uh, that I was, uh, I wasn't concerned about, but I thought he would pose the most threat. Oh, uh, you know, not not being Chris Maguire's biggest fan, didn't give him the time of day in the back of my mind once until he was once I saw him was playing, but um, but yeah, I thought you know Catamol was playing in the Premier League, and I thought you know this this guy's gonna this guy's gonna be a little bit classy, but then I think what he's realised is that because because League One is so mind-numbingly terrible. He's going to um, be much, you know, much of a spectator. And it was. I felt sorry for who. Who was it played the first off? It was Alex Hunt, wasn't it, in the middle of the park with Bannon? Um, I felt for him, if I'm honest. This was his. This was his debut. This was the first time he was going to kick a ball for us. And um, and I felt that he was just a spectator. He was just sat. What yeah. he, he was sat yeah. watching Bannon spread these little triangles around, or just literally looking up and watching it sail over his head. And then back again, and then back again. <laughs> and I think the, uh, the 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 lad that came on the uh, in the second half, whose name just escapes me right now, um, Penny, Matt Penny, Penny. Uh, yeah, that's it. I was just, nearly said Dave Penny. Then wasn't the old Doncaster manager? <laughs> yeah. He was. <laughs> hey, you know that that would have put the shitters up, Catamol, hundred percent. They're about the yeah, same yeah, age, aren't they, him and Catamol? <laughs> <laughs> I thought uh, I thought he had a bit more of a bit more of a an impact, as it were. Not that he uh, he set the world on fire, but he um you know he he got he got, he got a few more touches than, than than poor Hunt did. You know what I mean? It it kind of felt a little bit like Hunt was just a little bit overawed by the whole occasion. It was a little bit late into a couple of challenges that looked really clumsy when you watch them and you just kind of thought that maybe this guy's just trying a little bit too hard with it being his um, his debut. Not that he did anything particularly wrong or anything. I think, you know, a more experienced player, the ref might have given them a real telling, telling off for a couple of those challenges, but I think the ref just kind of thought, it's his debut, fair play, you know. Um, the lad's just kind of getting used to the speed of professional football and all that kind of stuff. Um no, I, I agree with everything you said. I, it kind of, I think it was summed up pretty well afterwards by, you know, the kind of the, 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 the kind of the media commentary, if you like, just saying Sunderland probably should have got a goal or two in that first twenty minutes. It'd have been a very different game. Um, we got a sneaky goal, and Sunderland just didn't have any any response at all. But it did seem like there was more talk on social media afterwards about what Mick McCarthy had to say about things than anything to do with the game. I don't know what that's all about. 
So why do you enlighten us, James? What was um, what was being said after the match? Well, I, I mean, I, obviously by this point, I, I was well gone. I, I I could barely see the TV, let alone hear what was uh, being being said. But yeah, apparently Mick McCarthy was being his usual kind of, you know, tell it like I tell it like it is, lad. That's what I do. Uh, that kind of, um, you know, just um, laying it on the line. I didn't really hear anything. Bluff I was, York, I was, professional bluff Yorkshireman. Yeah, as as I staggered to the uh, to the tram from the uh, New Barrack Tavern where I'd watched the game, um, trying to uh, desperately try to focus on my phone and read some tweets, I saw quite a lot of people talking about Mick McCarthy's, uh, you know, eyes. Ah, is it nail on head there, McCarthy? <laughs> I, I, I do I do enjoy the fact that I think both you and Barnsley Mick are from Barnsley, and you have to put a, an accent on to do an impression of him. That's yeah. That's quite fun for me, James. I feel like I do. I do. I break into Barnsley every so often, but it's, it is quite. <laughs> it is quite rare. With, with the sad demise of, of Barry Chuckle, uh, you know, basically Mick McCarthy's now the most Barnsley person we've got left. So <laughs> Barry yeah, yeah. Chuckle was from Rotherham. Come on. Is that they're all the same. They're all they're, they're just all small towns that's, in Sheffield, aren't they? That's fine for you living in York or you know North Yorkshire, same place, isn't it? It is technically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the, the, the game finished two 0 um, We're through to the next round, so that's you know that's that's great news. And I, one of the things that um, stood out to me a little bit with that game is that we took it kind of semi-seriously. We didn't put out an, an entire second team in the way that we have done under Carlos for uh, the last couple of seasons. Um, it was it was a semi-serious attempt and, and maybe we'll see when it comes to the Wolves game what happens as far as team selection, whether we're going to uh, use it as an excuse to give more playing time to some of the, the younger players uh, or whether we're really going to give it a go to try and get further into the competition. Um so yeah, that's all to come. Uh, it that was Thursday night, and it was a really quick turnaround for the uh, for the squad, wasn't it? Because they came back from uh, the far northeast, you know, the, uh, the, the 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 frozen tundra of Sunderland, um, and then literally as soon as they got off the coach and uh, had a shower, they were back on again and heading down to uh, the nation's capital because on Sunday. Uh, we had the league tilt at a place that has been quite a happy hunting ground for us in recent years. But, um, James, it didn't really turn out that way this time against Brentford, did it? No, shit, mate. It was awful. It was... Um... It, uh, it it was really, really, really poor. And, and I, I, was, I, was, I was quite angry afterwards because... It was Brentford are not a bad team, right? And there's no mistake in that. You know, we all said it was going to be a really hard game, and you know, I went there, kind of braced for us to lose. Thought, if, you know, expect us to lose, and anything above that is going to be a bonus. The thing is that we we didn't really even turn up. You know, Brentford barely had to get out of first gear, and they just strolled to victory. You know, we looked, and I was I was really worried afterwards because I thought, right, what's going on at the moment? Because Either we, it looked like we didn't have a game plan. Just didn't look, we looked like we just didn't have a clue what we, anyone was supposed to be doing or anything. Which means either we've got a coach who is just not bothering coming up with a game plan, which is worrying, or we've got a coach that's coming up with a game plan and then players going out and just going, ah, oh, fuck it, we're not going to bother with it, which is also worrying. So I just kind of came away thinking, I can't see any way of seeing anything remotely positive or 
anything from that game that's not really worrying. But thankfully, afterwards, uh, God bless the uh, British transport uh, system, every train from London to Sheffield had been cancelled. So concerns about um, you know the the managerial style of Jos Lahukai went out the window as um, you know two thousand Wednesday fans uh, fought to get home. So um, yeah, thankfully I had a little bit of time to uh, reflect on the very long journey back and um yeah it was it was it was just rubbish it was really rubbish and there, there was i can't find very much of it uh, from it at all to be positive about i don't think there was anyone that i thought played particularly great it kind of started badly with reach getting injured in the warm-up and it's like god it felt so last season that and then so did the performance it was just it, it was it was crap from from kind of start to end really and and i struggled to cut with anything positive from it so i'm not even going to bother and just say right okay fine it it was hopefully that's the low point now we've hit the low point in game number three of the season and we climb away from that now because if we if we turn in performances like that this season we ain't we ain't going to get anywhere we're really not did either of you two watch any of it I don't know if it, I don't know if it was different watching it that away end's not great for actually seeing how the games un, unfold because you're pretty much on you know pitch level nah. uh, wherever about you are in that away end so it'd be interesting to see if anyone did watch it as to whether it was different kind of seeing it from a proper angle. I think you've absolutely uh, you've summed up the the quality of the performance and it, you know the, the whether you were on the the third row of that terrace um, you didn't see any different from from anyone who was watching it at home it was pretty diabolical the the most worrying thing for me um, is that you know on paper that looked like we were playing our strongest team um, playing a system that they were familiar with and that you know they literally achieved nothing created nothing could prevent nothing uh, it was a complete whiff tactically and in execution um i know obviously we've had another game since then but let's go back to sunday fudge how you know how did that feel uh, you, the, the the reaction on social media and amongst the wednesday fans was um was almost mutinous you know it would people were saying lukai's doing his best to get fired with uh, you know with a, a setup like that and a performance like that I, I I agree with I agree with you. You know, ninety percent of the way. I I think what what we what we're doing though is kind of selling Brentford a little short. I mean, they've had a they've had a good start to the season, and and they've had a you know I, I remember watching there, there's a um, you know the program the Premiership years there's a Championship version. It was on last night, and it was yeah. a uh, it, it was a version from. What was the one disco season for us? 2014, 2015. Mm. Uh, I think Norwich went up with Alex Neal that year. And it was the year that Brentford were pushing the uh, pushing the playoffs, and they were excellent that year. They were very good. And then since that, they've kind of fell away, and they sold off their best players in people like Elphick and Jota, and um, and so they've kind of come back this year. And they're a very organised unit. They're they're a very good team. And what they did was absolutely kill our game dead. Now, my biggest concern, like like you guys were saying, was the fact that. Um, we we create nothing if we if it doesn't go our way. It's that reminiscent of under Carlos where we go, we don't have anywhere else to go from here. We've played our card now, and uh, well, enjoy the ride, kids. It's going to be a bumpy one. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was it just seemed to just like well, that's your lot, lads. Thanks for playing. Yeah. See you later. We didn't no, we didn't have anywhere to go, and and that's what's worrying. So for for a team to suss us out from minute one. Well, where where do we go from there? What do we do? Well, for for years, of course, um, you know, before um, 
Mr. Chancery came in and we we started getting players of a quality that the you know the fans demanded and um and the requirement to get promoted demanded. Uh, I think we experienced that all too often, wasn't it? Where we had a plan A, and if plan A didn't work, we didn't have any kind of strength on the bench or any diversity on the bench that could enable us to change a game. And it yeah. kind of it felt an awful lot like that is that there was no plan B and that you know that to me comes from not not being properly prepared because we've now got the players we've got the players who can play in different systems they're versatile that we've got a great diversity especially in terms of strikers you know players who can be thrown on to change a game um and it, it looked like we were really really devoid of ideas and you know that to me is the real shame because uh, you know, we've we've incurred an awful lot of, of you know financial pressure uh, building a squad that can compete, uh, and we've got those building blocks that you know. Let's be honest, yeah. But I think Brentford were an impressive side, and I think they're going to be, uh, you know, the the same Brentford that they have been for the majority of the last few years, which has been um, very very difficult to beat and challenging for the playoffs. So. Um, well, but that wasn't that wasn't Brentford being great. That wasn't Brentford being great. I think Brentford no, no, played better not. than that. Um, and and yeah, I, I I agree I agree with the lion's share of what's just been said. One thing I disagree with is when 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 you say it looks like we didn't have a plan B. My issue with Sunday is it, it looked like we didn't have a plan A. We just seemed to go out. We just <laughs> and it was just like just you know just kick it. Let's see what happens. Um, and there were some real fundamental awful things happening like. Um, uh, Ash Ash Baker just left so utterly isolated on that wing, um, and you know whether or not you, you want to say, well, it's you know, surely it's it's Forestieri's wing. It's his job to get back and help him out. Who, whoever it is, at times he got two players that he was trying to take on. With obviously because he's playing as a wing back, there's no one behind him. There was no one in front of him, and the lads just kind of you know just throwing his arms up in the air like, what on earth am I supposed to do in this situation? It was like the real basic stuff we were just getting wrong, and we were getting wrong as a team. You know, as a team. Team, we lost that game. There was no, there's no individual that we're going to blame for it. We, as a team, lost that game, uh, and that's, in my book, that's the worst way of losing a game. If you lose to some individual mistakes, that you can at least just blame someone and just go, well, everyone else played well. You know, we we lost that game because as a team, we didn't, we just didn't do anything. Um, and like I say, I've just we've just got to hope to God that that is the low point now because if if we turn out more performances like that this season, we're going to have real problems. Yeah, and, you know that is uh, it's, it's it's relegation form, isn't it? You know, thing, games like that are uh, what you see from teams that are going to struggle all season, and it was absolutely vital, and it, it remains absolutely vital that we don't turn in performances like that that seem ill prepared, but equally very very badly executed from a team that is lacking in confidence lacking in team spirit all of the things we saw on Sunday it was very very frustrating um, and it left us really staring down the barrel of uh, you know of, of, of being in the relegation zone albeit at the stupidly early part of the season and what do we not look at at this time of the year James? Uh, well, I, th- I think the published league tables are this time of the season, but you know, even after we I think we were still four points off the playoffs on on Sunday, which is not yeah, not the end of, of the world. Of course. So yeah, so there you go, and that's that's how quickly it can swing. So um, it, it was a hectic week. It's early in the season. We expect the players to be able to recover from that. Um, but finally, uh, it, you know, it, we'd gone Thursday, we'd gone Sunday, 
it came back to Wednesday. It was all back to Hillsborough for a game that, because of the um, the change in the TV rights this week, all of the uh, EFL games were being shown midweek live on Sky. So um, twenty three thousand people turned out. Okay, I understand that that's, some of those are being carried away because they're season ticket holders. Twenty three thousand tickets. Excuse me, sorry about that. Were sold, um, which actually. You know, and, and looking around, and especially second half, um, it felt and and seemed and looked like quite a respectable attendance given recent form. Um, and we took on Millwall, um, who <laughs> credit to the the three or four hundred of their fans that turned out uh, on a Tuesday night when they could have quite happily stayed at home eating, you know, pie and mash, jelly deals, um, you know, talking to pearly kings and queens, whatever <laughs> it is that they do down there. Um, you know what? <laughs> We're off the mark. That's the most important thing. I, we can talk about the performance, and we will. The single most important thing that we got out of Wednesday night was three points in the bag. Actually leading in a game, holding on to a lead and closing it out. That was all we could ever have wanted and expected. Um, and, and you know, that's what delivered. Uh, honestly. Amen. Amen. Go on. Eddie, I think you're missing out the second most important thing about last night. That what we was have that? we have broken a four year hoodoo of winning, not being able to win on a Wednesday night. Given that the the name Wednesday That's true, isn't it? Yeah. Is in our title. <laughs> yeah. We'd yeah. we'd not won on a Wednesday night apart from beating I think it was Blackpool four years ago. We beat them on a Wednesday night. We've not won on a Wednesday ever since. And uh, we managed to break that hoodoo. And played well as well. So uh, you know that 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 also deserves a doff of the cap. Well done, the lads. Finally, uh, finally, actual Sheffield, actual Wednesday. Yeah, and, and you know what? It, the the um, so we were in the Riverside before the match, and uh, we checked out the the team sheet as it came out. You know, an hour before kickoff. Um, I I think it's fair to say there were some raised eyebrows in terms of the decisions that were made. Um, you know, given that, like we just said, against Brentford, we put out nominally our strongest side. There were it was sweeping changes, wasn't it, James? As far as the lineup was concerned. Yeah, you're right, and 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 I was also kind of keeping an eye on um, Twitter as well, and there were a lot of people just saying, "Has he has he lost his mind completely?" Um, and and I think I was one of the few that was just kind of saying, "Well, do you know what? Why not? Because it can't it can't be any worse, you know. If he, you know, he said some interesting stuff in his in his pre match um, stuff before um, Millwall. It was a little bit cryptic, but you know, he, he's talked about some of the senior players." really need to stand up and be counted that you know they're the ones that are letting things down um and at least you know his his actions carried through what he'd been kind of um saying and you know he did make some pretty big changes uh we saw a couple of um well debutants into the um into the team and um Fraser Preston obviously I think both of them have played like 45 minutes in in the last week haven't they I think Matt Penny played 45 minutes at, at Sunderland um and Fraser Preston played 45 minutes at um at Brentford but full debut for both of them and it, I mean it has to be said both of them absolutely tremendous really good performances I'm going to throw Jordan Thornley's name into this as well because I think it was his first start of the season it might have been um obviously he played a lot last season but I, I spent a fair bit of time just just kind of watching particularly Penny and Thornley at the back because I've, I've had this issue all season about where our leadership's coming from at the back I, I, I'm you know I think we'd all agree that we're not particularly convinced about Tom Lees in that sense but you know it's it's you know we've got what we've got 
Uh, Matt Penny has been playing, you know, actual professional football now, uh, first team professional football, for about 30 minutes. And he was barking instructions left, right and centre around that defence. You know, he slotted straight into uh, playing in the first team and he had no hesitation telling everyone where they should be and what they should be doing. Same with Thornley. You know, he he was kind of organising things at the back as well. Um, And that's not to say that Tom Lees wasn't kind of doing doing his bit as well. Uh, But it actually felt like a defence that were communicating, that were talking. Talking uh, and um, it, you know the goal that we gave away was really a bit of a, an individual error rather than anything else. We looked a little shaky last twenty minutes because Millwall brought on a striker who was about eight and a half foot tall, which is always going to cause you uh, a few problems. Uh, but yeah, team selection was bold. It was risky. It worked. And huge credit to those young players because they did themselves absolutely proud. And I particularly want to mention. I think I just think Matt Penny has an absolutely incredible future ahead of him. And, um, you know, I I think that between him and Ash Baker, they could make the, those two wing-back positions their own. I think they really could. They could keep the more experienced senior players out because they've got a lot of talent between them. Big well done to them for last night. And you know what? It was great to see uh, such adept and assured performances from players with very, very little experience. Um but actually, I think it was a, it was a, a, a great team performance that was uh, led by those senior pros, and uh, you know they're the ones that have really had to to face the um, I suppose the criticism from the fans, haven't they? So you know the likes of Stephen Fletcher um, led the line with a, you know playing on his own up top for um, the, the vast majority of the time that he was there. I thought he was really encouraging. His fitness looks like he's getting right back to where he was. He caused an awful lot of problems, and I think he. He looked like he was playing as um, as, a, as a forward again. I, I made this point on an earlier podcast that um, as a striker, he's not quite there yet. But as a forward, he's really doing the things that he needs to do. And it, it caused a lot of problems. Um, you know, you saw Tom Lees at the back, was really back to that dominant form that he showed um, at his best. And he was a real leader there, uh, you know, wearing the captain's armband, but leading by example. Um and, uh, and Marco Matthias. Now, this is something that made me think on the way home. Um, he's been, it's probably unfair to say a bit part player, but he's had to to wait for his opportunities throughout his time at Hillsborough. He's had to um, prove himself and he's never really established himself as, a, you know, an, an A-list player at the club. Um, do, do you boys feel that, that that he has always actually been a reliable performer do you know? I I can't remember him really having no. a bad game. No, no, no. I, frustrating, I, I, frustrating at times, but he's always, always, always delivered a seven out of ten performance. I don't know. I think. I think. I think the Millwall game was probably, uh, possibly his best performance in a Wednesday shirt. I know he scored that goal at Leeds, uh, and I can't remember how we played then because it was such a long time ago. But um, I. I I, I kind of feel he, he kind of fits a little bit into the criteria of, of your Liam and um, Ramon Palmer situation, where um, you know you've got you've got two different Marco Matias. The Marco Matias that got sent off against Fulham the last game of the season, just as we were going into the playoffs, was a Marco Matias that I never wanted to see ever wear a Wednesday shirt again. Now the Marco Matias that, that that played last night, who ran and ran and ran, worked hard, looked like he got some serious you know silky skills going on. 
that Marco Matthias, he can come back again. You know, I'm happy with that Marco Matthias. So I, I, I think he's been, he's been far too up and down. And if he could actually be a bit more consistent, if he could play like he did against Millwall week in, week out, then, you know, he could he could really stake a claim to be a first-team regular. His contract's up at the end of this year. Uh, you know, you kind of guess as it stands now, he's got no chance of getting his contract renewed. Well, he, if, if he carries on playing the way that he did against Millwall, then who knows? Yeah, but do, do you feel like he's he's one of those players that if you let's think back to Jermaine Johnson, um, yeah. you know, he's he's kind of like like we say the Liam and Ramon thing. Is is he one of those players that is so mercurial that on his day and yesterday was definitely his day, um, he can really really do things, but he can be so so frustrating at times and petulant as we've seen. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I, that, that day he got sent off. What was it? Was it Preston? Did you say? I think he got where he. Uh, uh, it was. It was Fulham. Yeah. Yeah, that that day he got sent off. That that was him done with me. You know, he gained the bin. And let's not forget as well, given the injury woes that we had last year and the and the problems that that we had in terms of churning out a first team, and he still didn't really get a look in. Even then, made me think. Well, probably Joss has done with him. Um, do I believe that? You know, squad rotation and giving the youngsters a chance and all that maybe gave him an opportunity to turn out on the pitch. Yeah, of course. You know what I mean? I, I don't think, had it not been for such a lot, uh, you know, a, a decent amount of games in such a short space of time, probably gave him the nod. But uh, he's, he's, he's got a chance and he's taken it. So, you know, fair play to him. I hope he keeps it up because I think you're right. He has got that that Jermaine Johnson, Jekyll and Hyde. I, I think I remember one game where JJ did this turn on the right wing, sent this guy flying, cutting on the right hand side, and absolutely spanned it uh, into into the crowd. And uh, I think it was Megson turned around and went, "Yeah, JJ missed it, but only JJ would have got into that position to do that." You know what I mean? And and, and yeah, I think that there's there's definitely an element of that with Matthias. There's days where it comes on and you go. But he was everywhere, wasn't he? He did. He did really well. And um, and then there's other days where you go, why, 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 why do we even have him as a player? Why? Who's paying him? You know what I mean? <laughs> so I think you know, maybe one of the things that we need to uh, also talk about is that Liam Palmer has now returned with the correct hair. Um, he's had the wrong <laughs> hair for, uh, for probably upwards of a season now. He came back last night with the correct hair. And I mean, you know, back in back in the day, your granddad used, used to say to you, "Well, you know, you'll uh, you'll never amount to anything unless you smarten yourself up, get a sensible haircut, and uh, stop being so daft." Well, you know, that's basically <laughs> what Liam Palmer did. That he's got the correct hair, and last night he played like the senior pro um, that he's meant to be. He that was one of Liam's uh, best games for us, I'd say. Um, he, he, the the system really suited him. He got to spend an awful lot of time up the pitch in space but um, he did everything that he needed to and I, I would go as far as to say that he was a real contender for man of the match would you agree? Let's not go nuts but yeah he played alright <laughs> but i tell you what actually I think we've just decided I think we've just found something out just like what you've just said there really so like your dad like your granddad would say to you um, you know smarten yourself up you'll never mount out look, look at all shabby and that like that but your nan always used to say to you one day you'll fill out one day you'll, you know, you'll, you'll not be a skinny awkward teenager. You'll fill out. And have you seen the size of him? Like, what, have beast. Him, what have him yeah, and Adam yeah. Reach been doing over the summer? They're absolutely bloody massive. In fact, getting if you, swole, mate. Getting, getting swole. swole. Getting some gains, mate. Protein they, they, intake, that. Protein intake. That's it. They, they've, been, they've been on the beans. Yeah, they, they've, sat, they've sat Googling, realised they've t- taken a look at Jonah Hill and gone, 
I can be like that. I can do that. And they've, you know, Adam Reach has got no neck anymore. He's massive. And, and Liam Palmer, his arms are as big as my thighs. So, yeah, so what we've just realised is that Liam Palmer lives with his grandparents. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, but, you know, it, it's great to look good. And let's, you know, let's be honest, sensible hair, correct hair, Liam Palmer looks good. Adam Reach always looks good. A player who's not spent the summer getting swole um, was the player that won us the match, did it? Because Barry Bannon came up with <laughs> the most, the most Barry Bannon goal that I think he's ever scored. Um, Fudge, <laughs> he must have a foot like a traction engine. Am I right? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously, I... I... I was watching on that um, that god awful sky thing. Now, if listen, if you live in Sheffield and you have the opportunity to go to the ground or to watch this thing on Sky, always go. Because have you ever? If Eddie, you you have a, you have children and you have a, a child that plays football, and have you ever been that doting dad that just does that records his games? That and you, I, yeah, yeah. So I I. I I got into, uh, got into trouble last season for live streaming some of Tom's games on Facebook on what I dubbed Sausage Arm Sports because uh, <laughs> apparently it was a it was a safeguarding issue because some of the kids that they were playing against were social services. Um, oh, wow. So yeah, so yeah, I, I go beyond doting dad to basically be my son's publicist. <laughs> so yeah, and that's that's what this uh, this thing on Sky is like. It's the first time I've watched it. I had. Um, I had Brentford versus Villa on on uh, on one screen, and then I had the uh, and then I had the Wednesday on another with uh, with the commentary. Now the fact they put commentary to it is great because you weren't used to getting illegal stream the last couple of years with no commentary. It's it's, it's honest, <laughs> you know. People in the states, you know, big shout out to the uh, to the Americast. Uh, yeah, sorry about all the crap you've had to watch. Now we've got commentary, so that's nice, isn't it? But there's no, it's all done on one camera. It's all done with literally somebody stat, stood in the uh, in the grandstand in the south stand, just filming from left to right. So there's no replays, there's no close-ups, there's no uh, Hawkeye to see if they cross the line or any of that. It's literally it's like you live streaming your kids your kids game. I, I, and every time there's a break in play, he just it, it inexplicably just zooms onto the corner flag and then zooms back again. <laughs> yeah. Just get just get it focused, lad. Just get it focused. <laughs> it's I mean it's fun and then. All of a sudden, you'll you'll think, oh Christ! I tell you what, if I put Sky Sports News on, that so I put that on the laptop, and then on there you've got replays, you've got corners, you've got you've got close-ups. You can see Barry Bannon's scalp. Do you know what I mean? And I'm thinking, well, why did they just? Why? I don't understand. Is that it? Are they just? They're paying a commentator, they're paying a cameraman, but they're not playing a paying a vision mixer. You know, some bits have just got camera four, and then onto camera two. Do you know what I mean? I, I, it's uh, it's incredible. What we're talking about? So Are we still recording? <laughs> tell us about the, tell us about the goal, Fudge. Yeah, was there a goal in there somewhere? Yeah, top bins, mate. <laughs> top bins. I, so yeah, there, there was something about rewinding something that I think I was going to go down. But uh, but yeah, I think uh, I'd like to thank whoever put it on Twitter for me straight away. Uh, thanks for that because uh, I got to then watch it over and over again, and that was glorious, wasn't it? That's one of them that when you're um, when you're a teenager, you dream of smashing in, and it was reminiscent of. Um, Chance series first season where I think there was a there must have been a a competition between some of the players to have goal of the season. So you had like Wallace and Bannon specifically just absolutely smashing thunder chuffers yeah. in. Do you know what I mean? So uh, it's mm. nice to see that's come back. And then the, the second goal couldn't have been more of a contrast, could it? Because uh, not only did it come so quickly after half time that half of the half of the twenty three 
thousand uh, weren't back in their seats. Um, but it was it was just if a centre back's going to score a goal from a set piece and it's not going to be from a header, then they're the only ones that they scored, aren't they? Where literally everyone sits and watches the ball and then the centre-back that made the run away to try and draw some defenders away then loops back round he's like oh oh well okay then I'll side foot it in um, <laughs> and there was there was Tom Lees there was Skipper it to do it it wasn't a bad and, finish um, though was it it wasn't a bad finish at no, all no no he had to because the, the keeper was coming out he had to get it in that you know the keeper was coming out near post and he had to get it in there didn't he um, no it was, a, it was it was a fine finish and that's that's absolutely the sort of goal that got, we need I, to I, score because they're let, the ones that put us 2-0 up Let's not forget that he missed an absolute sitter in the back end of the first half as well. And yeah, he should have bloody scored. He owed us one. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> did he not? Yeah. Did he, which one was I'm it? I'm never. I am it? never. Never, ever, ever going to criticise the finishing of a centre back. That's not what they're there for. <laughs> remember, remember, um, it must have been the back end of the nineties when we put Des Walker up front for the last half an hour of the game that we were we were winning five nil or something like that. We put him up front for half an hour because we wanted him to get one goal for Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. He yeah. must have had eighteen shots. One on target, none, none of them troubled the scorers. So, you know, not since Nigel Pearson scored, what was it, like 15 goals in a season when we won the uh, the Milk Cup. Um, there is, no, I will never, ever criticise a centre-back for not scoring, even even when it is a sitter. Um, we, you know, we had plenty of opportunities in the first half to put the game out of reach. But this, as the second half wore on, Millwall... Uh, made like it, it wasn't quite a triple substitution, but it was three substitutions very, very quickly, uh, and that that really changed the game. Um, I can't say that the goal was a direct result of it because the goal appeared to be a direct result of um, one of our players wandering off to buy a program. Is that right? James? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it was. Um, I mean, to be fair, to, I mean, Tom, Tom Lee's completely leveled things up, didn't he? Because he scored a goal and then he just gave one away. So you think, well, fair enough. Yeah. You're gonna, you know, if, if you're gonna give a goal away, make sure you score one first, which which was um, fair enough. Can I just slightly backtrack a little bit? Because I need to make two points about, um, well, firstly about Barry Bannon's goal, because I was planning on saying from from where I sit in the north stand, kind of, it's not quite level with the edge of the penalty area, but it's you know, quite close to it. So I, I was going to say, do you know what? We had such a good view of it. It was such a great goal. And then I thought, it's one of those goals that wherever you're sat in the stadium, it looks amazing. You know, I can think sitting on the cop, you'd have had a great view of it, you know, behind the ball as it went in. The south stand, you know, the same. Wherever you're sitting, you get a great view when a goal is as good as that. Can I also say as well, Barry Bannon is, at the moment, he is the Adam Reach of last season. He is holding our season together. He's been the one consistent yeah. performer, game in, game out. And uh, thankfully last night, everything went for us. Which, and I know this might not be a particularly popular uh, opinion, but I think, you know, in no small part was down to the fact that Millwall were absolutely terrible. And that's what we needed last night. We needed an opposition that didn't really turn up. We needed an opposition a bit like we were to Brentford on Sunday, and we got it because Millwall were dreadful. Um, but we still, you've still got to, you still got to score the goals. You've still got to win the game, and it's what we needed. And you know, Bannon absolutely ran play from uh, the middle of um, the middle of the park, and he was superb. Uh, but yeah, bringing it back to uh, yeah, that last twenty minutes actually was a little bit. 
it, it was a little bit scary. It was a little bit worrying because you kind of, it's it's Wednesday, we've been here before. When they got that one goal and you're like, well, that's it now. You know, that's it. Going to draw, aren't they? You know, it was, there was almost like a resignation. And it wasn't a negativity. It was just like, we're so used to that happening. And then it was like the dying seconds of the game and the ball's bobbling around in the area. And you just, you're just waiting, for, you're waiting for it to hit to the back of the net. Millwall bought about, about 37 fans with them. And you're waiting to hear every single one of them individually go mental and be Millwall. They'll start, you know, ripping seats out and throwing them all over the place. And that awful like noise that they make. You're waiting for that as they as they get that last minute equaliser. Um, and it's it's flipping Liam Palmer on the line, isn't it? Who saves us, you know, almost like superhuman blocks that shot. And um, you know what what looked like an almost inevitable last minute draw, we get the win that we need that kickstart the season. And I think you know what 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 you said earlier, Eddie, was absolutely spot on about the fact that on on Sunday we we lost as a team. Well, on Wednesday we won as a team, and we really did. Everyone put in a shift. Everyone put in a performance. Um, everyone was was playing for the team. They were playing for each other. Uh, they were playing for the fans. You know, it was it was healthy. It was a real healthy performance. And um, you know, if 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 Sunday was a low point, then you know Wednesday gave us a real high point, and we needed that. And um, yeah, really pleased. Really, really, really good performance. I think in in years to come, we'll remember it as Liam Partman's correct hair game. He came <laughs> correct. With the hair, team performance, Wednesday one. And you know what? Even even at 2-1, it wasn't the usual, you know, air came out of the stadium, harem, scarem, desperate last-ditch defending, chance after chance after chance. You know, that, that one late on was probably their only real chance to tie it up. We looked, you know, fairly in control. And, um, you know... I, I appreciate what you say, James. Millwall did not really turn up. That you know, they will say, and they have said that that was their worst performance. It was absolutely shocking. It's unacceptable. Um, they played, uh, you know, like we did at Brentford, and and we we played like Brentford did at Brentford and got the job done. Um, first three points. <laughs> that was a confusing but no, week, but I, 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 know, I yeah. agree with everything you said. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But you know what? Um, a, a, a bizarre week. Um, you know, from all kinds of different emotions, um, but that week is in the books. Wednesday are moving on up. We're, you know, we're, we're not talking about relegation. We're talking about where we go to next. Um, I think there's a new feeling of positivity there. Even overnight, I think that the performance, the team performance, um, and the team spirit has galvanised the Wednesday fandom. Um, I think every everybody, every single Wednesday fan, feels more positive today uh, than they did. Uh, you know, probably at lunchtime yesterday, uh, possibly excluding our own Victoria, um, who she was so giddy at the win. Um, I don't know whether you know this, lad. She headed back to the Riverside Cafe to celebrate with Dickie, with James, and myself and Laura uh, post-match, only to find out that we'd all gone home. <laughs> None of us uh, turned up. <laughs> yeah. Literally not not one of us celebrated Wednesday's first win of the season uh, with her. She, she went there on her own. Um, that said... If you're going to find yourself drinking alone on a school night, where would you rather be than the magnificent <laughs> Riverside Cafe? Um, of course, I don't know whether you, I don't know whether I mentioned it. Like they are sponsors of the Wednesday week, so uh, why not try drinking alone there this week uh, and feel the way the Victoria felt? Um, I'm sure she seems quite happy today. So obviously, it went quite well. Um, okay, so moving on, that was they were the matches from uh, from this week. A few more bits of Wednesday news um, as we move on. Uh, 
probably the main one, and it's it's really a huge story, isn't it, given uh, what has been talked about on the excellent um, Profit and Sustainability podcast, the Financial Fair Play podcast, uh, the fallout from the transfer window, etc. Sheffield Wednesday announced that they have come out of transfer embargo. Uh, James, were you surprised to hear this, given everything that, that we'd uh, kind of spoke about and everything that, that we'd mooted and feared over the last few weeks? Uh, firstly, just to echo your comments about drinking alone in the uh, in the Riverside Cafe, apparently last night also uh, Mavis from Coronation Street was spotted having a beer in the Riverside Cafe <laughs> after, the, uh, after the match. Um, right. <laughs> So, yes, uh, FFP. So this was talked about a lot, actually, on, uh, on Sunday in the pub before the game at uh, Brentford. Now, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with unpopular opinion here because it's actually a load of shit. Um, because it, it's all, it's kind of PR. And for what's actually fair play to the club, they've, got the, they've, they've done the PR right on this. This whole idea of, right, we're out of embargo, everything's great again. Forget that. That's, that's bullshit. That's not the case at all. Right, our finances are still being run by the EFL. They are still telling us what we can and can't spend. All they're doing now is saying, all right, you are actually allowed to bring in players, but there'll be a limit on the wages. Uh, there will be a limit... Possibly that limit is zero on transfer fees or loan fees. So we're probably not allowed to spend anything in terms of actual loan and transfer fees. So it's all a little bit kind of, um, it's smoke and mirrors a little. Kind of the statement of, oh, we're out of embargo, everything's great again. Forget that. That's, that's, that's bollocks. That's not the case at all. You know, the EFL will still be effectively running our finances for us. Uh, it's a better situation than we were in a week before. There's no doubt about that. So um, I don't want to sound overly negative about it. Um, I'm just trying to be kind of realistic and just saying to people, if you think that that means we can go out and start spending, you know, a million pound on a player here or um, so-and-so who's out of contract, well, you know, it's 30 grand a week, but, you know, it's worth it because there's no transfer fee. No, not a chance. That isn't happening. Uh, we, we kind of guessing, me, me, Peter and James, obviously, as we, as we do, um, we're kind of discussing this in our WhatsApp group over the weekend and we reckon it's, probably somewhere between 10 and 15,000 pounds is kind of probably the the limit in terms of a weekly wage that we're allowed to bring in and if we want to spend more than that we've got to sell so um i just i, I hope that didn't sound negative i just kind of wanted to put in that sort of almost reality check there just so that people kind of know you know if if they think we're going to go out and spend a fortune it, it ain't happening I've wow just, I, I, you know go on, Fred. I, I, well, I, I've just come to terms with the fact that, bear in mind, you know, our group chat for this podcast uh, takes up a significant amount of time. Um, and you're in another group chat with with James and yeah, yeah. talking, talking Mate, about the financial side so, of it. Christ, what, what do you do with your life? Or do you just mute them all the time? You just well, I just, I don't, I mean, I, I, I don't really contribute to the Wednesday week one anymore. You know, I've moved on, you know, bigger and better things now. You've got so, new rates. Yeah, you, you know, rates. talking about spreadsheets and, um, you know, wages <laughs> and money and stuff like that. That's, 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 that's where it at. I mean, I've got to say, and, to, and to, beers, to be honest, and, 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 and percentages of beers. Yeah. Well, and, and, percentages and, of beers. This one's actually, <laughs> do you know what? It's strange to say, I've just realised I've taken a, a beer out of the fridge to drink. It's 8.4%. And my previous oh, my beer life. was 
was eight point three percent. So um, you know this we this should... podcast is uh, is going well, isn't it? Um, we should do, yeah, we should do a got... late night podcast. We should come back to you in about two hours and just go. <laughs> so James, how are you going? Yeah, yeah. I'm all right. I'm all right. Just just some house rave in the background, or just you crawling around Charlie Brown's in no, your underwear. Honestly, this this does represent. I walked down that street where I fell off the wall into uh, the car park on um, Sunday. So uh, it was like bringing back all the memories. Um, no, this is representative of just how how bad a person I am. That um, before we started doing the podcast, I thought, oh, do you know what? I'll have I'll have a beer with the podcast tonight because I've not had one since the weekend. Uh, and then as I opened it, I thought, oh, apart from those ten that I had last night, oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> conveniently forgotten about those. You know you know what? One of the, the the major symptoms of alcohol abuse is James memory loss. Memory loss. That's all I'm saying. Sorry, did you just say something? I I I, I heard it and then it just went. Um, no, can I, I also just need to mention as well um, this weekend, uh, James Allen um, of FFP Specials and Owls America's fame. Uh, he came down to Brentford with him, so it was an absolute pleasure to spend time with him. And certainly on the train on the way back, when it was just the um, just the two of us, uh, it was really good to to have a proper good chat about the the kind of the financial side of it. Uh, which was a lot more positive than probably the last FFP special was. Um, so um, yeah, we'll, we'll ju- we've just got to kind of see what what plays out now. The good thing is that at least we can actually talk about like transfer gossip now, not and not idly. Like there's an actual chance that we could bring in a player or two. Well, what, one of the huge things um, that comes out of you know, having a transfer embargo lifted, and uh, you know, granted, James, I think the reality check is needed, although. I think what you've just done there is given a load of PR spin to the FFP podcast um, to co- to counter the the PR spin that's coming out of the no, club. No, 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 not 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 at all. <laughs> However, FFP but... special number five coming next week they clarify one or two situations. No, that's not happening. Actually, that's not happening. That's not happening. So I, I don't want to boil the ocean because we've got a podcast for this already. Um, but removing the transfer embargo. Uh, actually frees us up to discuss um, renewing contracts with existing players. So um, I think we're all fairly familiar with the, the you know the list of names of players that are out of contract. Um, you know, we, Kieran Lee and Barry Bannon, obviously two absolutely key players who are out of contract um, this at the end of this season. And the club have already said that they're you know they're, they're open up those discussions. Um, at the other end of the spectrum, you've got. Uh, Matt Penny, you've got Nielsen, and you've got Fraser Preston, um, whose contracts all expire uh, at the end of this season. Uh, you've got to assume that the team, uh, the, the club, are going to offer them new deals, especially given the amount of first-team experience that they, they presumably will have by the end of the season. However, in the middle of that, there is then a chunk of players. Um, I'll read them out, and then if uh, you know, Fudge, if if you can. Uh, only one yep. word, uh, yep. you know. Oh, you know, only one. You know, one or two names. Who, who do we need to keep out of this group of players, and who can we just yep. get rid of? So we've got Kieran Westwood, Daniel Poodle, um, Fox Palmer, Abdi, Jones, Boyd, Marco Mateusz, and Gary Hooper. Are Gary any Hooper. of those essential to keep? Gary Hooper. That disagree, I, I disagree, would, disagree. Sorry. I would love to keep. I would love to keep Kieran Westwood, but I think there's a lot gone off behind the scenes that we don't understand and we don't know. Uh, but I'm pretty sure he's probably played his last game for us. If he comes back, then I'll make my words and I'd love to see him back in the sticks. I really would. Um, uh, Fox, uh, Abdi, 
Uh, who else was that? Poodle. They they can all uh, go. Jones, Boyd. No, obviously. So what? Jones so we've Boyd, got. Yeah. I, I suppose on the bubble, you've got Liam Palmer, Marco Mateusz, and Gary Hooper. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd keep Palmer as a squad player. I would. He's, he's not my favourite, but like you said, there is there there is a footballer inside him. You know, sometimes, uh, and now he's. Uh, yeah, it's Ramon. He's eating him. <laughs> just, just as clearly identified that his size might have been an issue, so he's he's made him spend all summer in the gym. Um, you know the the proof will be in the pudding. Ask me this again about Liam Palmer in um in about three or four months. But Gary Uper, I don't think has gone down the route of Alman Abdi just yet, where he's just broken. I mean, I think that Hooper is one of the cleverest footballers I've ever seen. I he's super super clever in, in his in his movement and the way he drags defenders out and he makes space for other strikers as well I mean come on James we went to that uh, I think you were there as well Eddie. we yeah. went to a game down at Fulham where he yeah. could have had an absolute hatful and we could have had a yeah. hatful just but, by his but, movement he was so but, clever but that was then you just worry about that his age then. though don't you yeah, I, I don't think that Gary Hooper will ever be the same player again. We've not seen him play for nearly a year now. And how can you contemplate giving a contract to a player that... I mean, when when he was injured, it was almost like slightly innocuous. It was like, oh, he'll be out for six weeks, and then it was two months, and then it was three months. It's now nearly 12 months. Like, I, I, I is this guy ever going to get fit again? And if he does, is he ever going to be the same Gary Hooper? And even if he is... Like you know, I mean, I, I I don't know what any players are on, but if it's you know somewhere around the the thirty thousand pounds a week mark, or you know, kind of mid mid to late twenties or whatever it might be, um, are there are, is there better ways that we can spend that money than a player who's already in his thirties? We're going to be talking about what giving him. I, I would have thought we'd give him more than a year. Maybe another club will come along and give him two years. He's going to go and do that anyway. I don't know. I I, I I'm not sure. I can. I I. I don't know. I, I wonder whether Hooper's Wednesday career is pretty much dead and buried now. And it hurts me to say that because I agree with everything you've said. I think he's a great player and I think he's been absolutely tremendous for him. And it's not his fault that he's got injured. Um, but I think that, you know, we've we've got to concentrate on, on going in a different direction now for the future. And that direction is probably someone like Lucas Zhao. And that means that, you know, Hooper in, you know, 30, 31, 32, which uh, is the age he's getting towards... I just don't know. I don't know if I can see it. What yeah, about if we, uh, in order to pay, you know, if we give that, uh, let's play middle of the road type response. What about if we kept him and had him on a pay-as-you-play type of deal? Um, yeah, but someone will give him a two-year contract, won't they? Because he scored goals in this league. Someone, there'll, there'll be a club that will say, we'll give you a two-year contract. Well, because there's always so, a club so, that will do that. So why would we not? Why wouldn't we not be that club? Why would we not be the ones to take up the player that scores goals? Have we well, really because we're not. We're, we're, we, we don't. We're not. We're not. <laughs> we in, in terms of our wage bill, it's not plentiful <laughs> at the moment. You know, if we can save twenty-five, thirty grand a week on a on a player, uh, then that allows us. You know, quite a lot of flexibility then to to look down, maybe down towards kind of maybe a, a couple of League One players who are quite young, who've really been making waves kind of further down the football pyramid that you think, all right, they could actually be part of our future. Gary, Gary Hooper, it, it pains me to say this, and I, I mean it with the absolute utmost respect, he's not part of our future. He's part of our past. And we've got to start looking towards the future now. All right. So given that, that logic then, where do you sit with Kieran Lee? 
let's say for devil's advocate for you know for argument's sake his contract is up at the end of the season it is up at the end of the season Kieran Lee's contract is up at the end of the season and he is uh, I think he's just about to turn 30 as well roughly kind of late late 20s I think might be just about to turn 30 Um, exactly the same situation I don't know I don't know we we need need to see 20 games out of Kieran Lee don't we this season Yeah. For, for us to be able, for us to, because he's he's going to command, um, a, you know, a, a wage that is commensurate with his experience, not so much, um, you know, what he does this season, but uh, from what he has done done in the past. You know, he is a twenty thousand plus pounds per week player on past uh, performance. So, but unless we see twenty games out of Kieran Lee this season at the level that he has been, um, we'd be mad to offer him a new deal. And it's really really sad because he probably more than anybody could have been the player to um to be our Aaron Moy for instance you know and, and you know be that player who was the fulcrum of a promotion winning team um but that you know that window is closing and a lot of these players that we've just mentioned were players who were in that window uh, and, and and no longer are and we yeah. especially with the financial constraints that we have um you know, if we get 20 games out of Matt Penny or Fraser Preston or Jordan Thornley or all of these young players, they're going to have to be paid at eight to ten thousand uh, pounds, you know, a year on a new deal. Uh, you know, and, and I'm I'm more than comfortable if they're good enough with sacrificing a Gary Hooper to get three players who are going to be there for the next three, four, five years. You've you've got to look at it slightly differently, I think, um, to, to how we tend to do as football fans, which is you think so and so is a good player, offer them a contract. So you know you would you, you, we, at the moment we need to be banging like literally. I hope there's a club representative right now banging on Barry Bannon's front door with a contract saying, "Are you going to sign yeah. this yet? Are you going to sign this yeah. yet? Are you going to sign this yet?" Because he's worth money, right? And every day that his contract gets shorter, he's worth slightly less money, and. I don't want to think about worst case scenarios, but we've got to do, you know, if, if our financial situation does does not get better in the next 12 months, we need assets at the football club. Uh, if you give Gary Hooper a new contract, no one's going to come along and go, all right, well, we'll, we'll pay you five million for him. He, he's, he, he, he's not worth anything for someone to buy because he's not been playing games. Same with Kieran Lee. doesn't matter if we offer him a new contract now. It doesn't mean that he's worth anything because he's not played for 12 months or he's, he's played very few games for 12 months. So giving, yeah. giving contracts to players like Lucas Zhao, which we've done, which is brilliant business because it means that he, he goes from with you know six months left on his contract, he's probably worth a million, 1.5 million. He's now worth three or four million in the current market so if we need to raise money quick we've got a saleable asset exactly the same goes with bannon those two are the two that we need to give a contract to unfortunately the rest of them i don't think that offering a new contract really makes much difference to their value the other players that we need to be talking about contracts with are players like reach who's obviously got a value now his value is only ever going to go up if we can give him a new contract so um you know him the goalkeepers uh, and the young players they're the ones we need to be throwing contracts in front of because their value is going to go up and we've got to think in practical terms now and if we give if we start giving new contracts to players like Hooper and Lee without them proving that they can come back and play football games then we are walking further into the mistakes that we made in the last few years of giving big money contracts to players that unfortunately are past it amen so yeah and and uh, Zhao's contract takes him through to June 2021 um and you know and he is now a saleable asset and i think you know he's probably 
the one player who's the archetype for that, um, that he, his value has now increased um, by dint of the fact that that contract has been agreed. I think to a lesser extent, the likes of Liam Palmer, who has shown that he can do a job at this level, he's almost like a kind of, he's in a Lewis Buxton situation where we give him a contract, it gives him a value, but not, not necessarily a value that is that makes it a net positive to the club. And that's why it's important that we, we tie up um, the likes of Lucas Shaw, the likes of Barry Bannon, and, and assuming that the season goes well, um, the you know the young players who come through and play twenty games, and you know, and every one of them, I would say every single one of them, if they play at the level they have played at thus far, then um, they will become saleable assets, certainly relevant uh, relative to the amount of money that we are spending, um, you know, on bed and board for them. Um, but let's save that for the the fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth FFP podcast, which I'm <laughs> sure will outstrip the Wednesday Weekend followers uh, within the next two or three months. Um, onto the rumor mill. So uh, you know, because now the transfer embargo has been lifted, um, we can, in theory at least, um, get players in uh, before the loan window closes. And there's been two names that have been mentioned quite a lot uh, in the last uh, two or three days. Uh, one of them very, very familiar, and we'll come back to him in a second. One of them, um, a guy called Michael Hector, who um, is at Chelsea. Um, you know, James, I assume that this is the, the standard um, archetype of young player who is good enough to get a contract as a pro at a top, top Premier League team, not good enough to crack the first team um, and, uh, and not enough of a prospect for them to loan him out um, you know, for you know, to, to league one for a season before bringing him back and blooding him uh, in Chelsea. He's one of those those players that gets stuck, like Sam Hutchison a little bit, gets stuck in between the stools uh, and ends up being a you know a, a player that you know that that is too good to rot uh, in the Premier League, but not good enough to yeah. um, you know to, to have that potential. Um, pretty, pretty, could, much, could, pretty much. Is he a player that we we should be looking at at this point? Possibly. I mean, he's got he's got um, championship experience. He sent he spent a season on loan at Hull. I don't know if it was last season or the season before. Um, he he joined Chelsea from Reading, where I think you know a good kind of two three seasons. He was a first team regular for for Reading. Uh, before that, he'd been out on loan here, there, and everywhere, and not just in this country. I think he spent a couple of seasons in Germany as well, uh, played for, um, I can't remember who it was, but a couple of teams in um, in Germany. So he's actually, I mean, he, he's certainly no spring chicken. You know, he's kind of like mid-late 20s, uh, plenty of experience. He's never played for Chelsea, that should be pointed out. Uh, but they, I think they spent a good kind of five, six million on him when they bought him from Reading, and then he went back on loan to Reading for the rest of that season when they... Um, when they bought him so he's got championship experience he is uh, a set, he is actually very similar to Sam Hutchinson in the respect that he's a centre half but he can play a kind of a holding defensive midfielder role as well um, so you know it is it, it is that back line where we've looked wobbly this season so um, you know maybe bringing in someone that's got that defensive experience in this league is not a is not a bad thing which probably brings us to the other name that's kind of been doing the rounds as well yeah, and and when we talked about um, about Wednesday having an identity and having um, you know that that player who can you know, lead the back line in a way that maybe Tom Lee's personality wise um, doesn't do, then uh, you know Danny Bart, who of course was the hero uh, 
of uh, and uh, arguably our best player in the the League One promotion season. Um, he's gone. He served his time at Wolves to the point where he played as captain um, for an awful lot of time there. Um, you know, he's been through that promotion. Uh, he's. I think he will agree. He's probably not Premier League quality um, at this point. Would it for a Wednesday point of view? Wouldn't it be great to welcome him back? But do we think that he could be um, the, the you know the missing link? The uh, I suppose almost a, a younger version of Glenn Leuven's, but more of a bastard. <laughs> Isn't it weird how Danny Bart's kind of yo-yo career has followed the fortunes of Wednesday and Wolves? Because when he was on loan at Wednesday, we were in League One, and obviously we won promotion. Yeah. The same season, Wolves were relegated from the Premier League. Um, he went back to Wolves, and um, I can't—I don't think he played all that many games. I don't think he was particularly involved in the season that they then obviously um, double dropped. They went down into League One, and he became their captain in League One when they won the league with however many points. And you know, he yeah. he then kind of led them into the Championship, uh, and over the course of two three seasons, they solidified. He's led them into the Premier League. Um, and at the same time, you know, obviously we nearly got into the Premier League, but didn't quite. And there were times we were linked with him. We were like, oh, we've moved on now. We're, we're too, you know, Danny Bart's not good enough for us anymore. And now here we find ourselves whereby I think most Wednesday fans would, would be very welcome to the idea of him coming in because of the amount of experience that he's got, the leadership qualities that he's got and all the things that, that, that come with him. And obviously he's, he's known to us, you know, he kind of like, that. it wasn't just that he played well that, that, that season in League One. There was a real connection between him and the fans and the club. I remember, you know, at the time on Twitter, his brother kind of, who's a Wolves fan, became an adopted Wednesday fan for the season. Um, and he, were, you know, he was going to every Wednesday game home and away. And it was just, there was a real connection between him and the, uh, and the club then. And I think that's remained even, even now, you know, whenever we play Wolves and Danny Bart plays, he, you know, he always gets, you know, a, a good standard ovation from the Wednesday fans after, afterwards just because of that one season. So um, I think we could probably do a lot worse, to be honest. What do you reckon, Fudge? I think I think I I agree with everything you've just said. I was um, I was intrigued to see how Danny Bart changes a person as well. Like when he was in League One, uh, when he was in League One with us, and when he was there with Wolves. I don't know if you remember, he was a big old stag. Now I remember. I, I, now bear in mind, I've talked about the physiques of men a lot during this podcast. So uh, brace yourselves for another one. And um, he was huge. I mean, he had he had massive, great arms and shoulders on him. And what happened was, when he got out of League One, he lost all that mass and became much more of a, I was going to say an athlete, but as good an athlete you can be in the centre-back position, as it, as it were. And he and that seemed to give him a little bit more dexterity. And he, and, a, and, a, and he became a different type of player. He wasn't the big Lego brick that, that, we, that we had at the back, you know, six, seven years ago. He's uh, he was quicker and faster and adapted to uh, adapted to the way that football had changed from League One to the Championship and uh, and and now the Premier League and and like you said the the, the affinity with the fans that he's got is um, it, it, for me it would be a no brainer if I was him it would be a a ready made uh, environment for him to to embrace going into which uh, which you know I'm absolutely all for and I think you're right he would be that that voice to replace to replace Leuven's a little bit. And um, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to see how that goes because um, to me, given the sentimental uh, sentimental lot those Wednesday fans can be, I think he, uh, he's, this, this rumour could be potentially, um, how you say, bollocks. 
Yeah, well, the, the, the proof of the pudding will be in the eating and the uh, the loan window is closing rapidly. So we'll see what happens. We'll keep an eye on it. Um, so moving forward, Saturday, we're all back to Sheffield 6. Uh, we've got a home match against Ipswich. Uh, this is an Ipswich team that no longer has Mick McCarthy. Um, so uh, Fudge basically has no interest anymore because you know Mickey's no longer part of it. Um, no, I'm done with. I'm done with. You do, you're, you're done now. <laughs> uh, so uh, if, if there is a team that has had a, a worse start to the season than us, it's definitely them. Um, not only have they lost two drawn two, they got beaten by Rotherham, uh, which obviously isn't going to happen to us. Don't be stupid. Um, James, we really have to beat this lot and continue, you know, this progression that we've shown from Wednesday night, don't we? Yeah, incidentally, if you're looking for a team that's made a worse start than us, QPR played for, lost for, and Steve McLaren <laughs> as manager. I mean, if you're a QPR fan right now, it is, you know, you need to make sure that you yes, lock your yes, medicine yes, cabinet yes. at night just in case you get tempted. Um, yeah, uh, we, uh, it's absolutely a must-win game. I mean, I, I, we, we went into this this kind of you know series of of these two home games didn't we in, in a short space of time uh the logical thing you know your head says it's got to be six points but then you know your your wednesday head says hang on this this is us we'll lose both games uh we've won one of them you know in, it, it wasn't you know it wasn't a walk in the park win you know we had to earn it uh, now we've got to go and we've got to win the next. We, we've got to win the second one of those. We've, we've got you know Ipswich is a game we should absolutely be um, intending to to win. Interestingly, of course, their manager now Paul Hurst, who I don't know how commonly known it is, but he is a Wednesday fan. So um, he he was kind of my sort of tip, my um, top of my list of of who I wanted to kind of come in and replace. Carlos, obviously that didn't happen. Great to see him in the championship now. I think he's got a really tough job there at, at Ipswich because the budgets are tiny. Uh, the fan base is quite demanding. The players are maybe you know not quite what what you uh, what you need in order to succeed in the championship. So maybe we're playing them at a good time. You know, if if we can turn in the same sort of performance as we did on Wednesday, then. We should be able to. Well, I say we should. You know, the, uh, you know, hopefully we can pick them off. Can I tempt you for a score prediction? Eight nil. <laughs> yeah, screw yes. QPR, QPR is bollocks. You know, <laughs> West Brom haven't got anything on us. Eight nil. Fudgy. I reckon it'll be a tighter affair. Um, you know, seven nil. Seven nil. Fine. Seven nil. Okay. Much was, that, was that Lord Hillsborough just then? Did, is that Lord <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll be a tighter affair, and uh, I don't think we're a finished product yet. I still think we're a couple of um, couple of wins away, and um, and I'm gonna go one all. Oh wow! Really? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think they they will play dour football, stiflers, and the worrying stat that we've got is the fact that even when we're playing five at the back, we still seem to concede about 15 shots a game, shots <laughs> on goal, and uh, and I just think. You know, we can't keep them out all day. So I'm going to go one all. I should put my bet. I should put my money on that, shouldn't I? Now? I'll get good odds. Do it. I know this one for me is going to be. It's it's one of those classic games that will be defined by um, the crowd's reaction to the way that we play. So if we get into them early and the crowd get behind. Um, as they did last night, you know, it was, it was a, a good positive atmosphere. Um, I suspect we'll roll them. Um, if not, if things don't go great, then it could be, uh, you know, a long and ugly day at the races. But I'm hopeful. I'm, I, I think I think we've got a 2-0 in us. Um, let's see. It's going to be interesting to see what team um, Jos Lukai puts out, whether 
it's a return for you know new in Forestieri or Zhao in Forestieri, you know the presumptive um, you know first choice strikers and see whether we play two up front. Uh, but we shall see. So that's Saturday, Tuesday. We have uh, the Milk Cup. It's Milk Cup time again. Um, and this time we are at home to Danny Bart and his uh, runaway championship winners of last season, the Wolves. Um, they've not had the best start in life to the Premier League. Uh, and I would expect that they'll probably be resting some of their key players uh, for the competition. Um, let's not boil the ocean here because it is the Milk Cup and it's early on. We don't really care about it, do we, Fudge? But, um, you know, what, what's your thinking? Do you think that we're going to put out a strong team and, and try and progress? Or are we, uh, are we fully focused on um, improving our lot in the league? I think we will put out a semi-strong team like we did against Sunderland. And I think they will put out a load of old shit and uh, we'll still end up probably losing probably one. <laughs> Fucking Wolves at home. <laughs> we can't talk about it Wolves at home we do not talk about it. Wolves away all the time you like Wolves at home no gets two minutes anyway so that is about it from us tonight apart from always our favourite hashtag of the week that being hashtag ask TWW so every week Owls fans can take to Twitter and ask questions about football or or anything else and uh, there has been some anything else this uh, this week. We'll do our best to answer them. Um, first up, James, I've got a question for you from another James Marriott. So this is wow. uh, at J James Marriott. So either he has a silent J um, or he was just too slow to get the Twitter handle. Um, he asked, why do you wear two hats on your Twitter profile picture? Yeah, it's funny you should mention um, this because th there was a Twitter exchange last night between myself and uh, the other James Marriott uh, that did in indeed me making the point of the fact that I just got the Twitter handle before he did. Uh, but after that, I felt like, you know, we kind of bonded over our, you know, the kind of things that we've got in common, which are basically a name. Um, so, um, you know, I've, I've got a feeling that, that me and, and James Marriott are going to become good pals as we uh, as we move forward. The reason that I, in my Twitter profile picture I'm wearing two hats is because it was taken on... Right, so um, this is a, it's a train in Germany, um, and it's, um, it's what they call the Sonderzug. Uh, so it's basically like an uh, it's it's a it's an away trip. It's for the uh, the fans of the away team. They um, charter a train for the last game of the season. So I went on this with a lot of St. Pauli fans uh, last season, and it set off. I think it was about half past six in the morning. It set off from Hamburg to go to their last away game of the season, which was in. I can't remember where, Duisburg, I think it was. Anyway, it took about five hours to get there. Um, and basically about nine o'clock in the morning, I'd had about eight or nine beers and I was dancing to Venger Boys songs in the party carriage of the train. I was wearing a hat. Someone else put another hat on my head, took a photo of it, and I thought, that's quite funny. So I set it as my Twitter profile picture and I've not changed it since. And that is a true story, bro. Uh, J. James Marriott, <laughs> hit me up. Let's be pals. Let's be pals. J. James so, Marriott. Is that, is that going to be his name now? J. James Marriott, yeah, yeah. He, he's the new JJ. The other JJ, he's, he's gone. He's dead to us. This is the new JJ. You know what? The, the best thing about the German language is that you can distill any story down to one word or phrase. So if anyone ever asks you that again, James, all you need to say is, Did Sonderzug! Sonderzug. <laughs> That's on the Zug. 
So, Fudgy, um, for you, I've got a question yeah. from Montague Dangerous at right. Monty Dangerous. Is um, this going to be about it, Little Mix or a Ford Montego or something called no, Changing no, All the Fudges? Right. It's, it's way too easy for you, usually. Right. Um, so, knowing that you um, are physically allergic to uh, serious football yep. uh, information and journalism, um, yep. I'm going to read it to you verbatim. If SWFC have X pounds to spend before the close of the loan window and it costs the same to sign a good loan player as it did to get three high earners in there last year as mutual consent off the books, for example, Jones, Abdi, etc., what would make better short and long-term sense? So would you take the short-term loss of a number of players to gain the long-term reduction in wages and help right now where we need it? Make a fucking joke out of that, dickhead. <laughs> I, I, right, I'm assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming we're uh, we're dropping what James said about uh, you know we, we don't have X amount of money. This is all hypothetical as it would be. Um, I believe that spending this X money on uh, two or three loan signings by jettisoning via mutual consent some other ones would be better for us until we can get the likes of Hooper back or Kieran Lee and get a fully fit Stephen Fletcher, a fully a game fit Fernando Forestieri. I think some short term round pegs for round holes is what we need in the in the near future and to reduce the uh, the labour going the labour the payroll going forward. There you are. What about them apples? So he Montague Dangerous, he ain't just a frustrated ex failed boy band member. My man <laughs> knows about football, yeah? Get me. All right? You come at me again, I will cut you. Don't even at me, bro. <laughs> Don't even at me. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> finally, um, so I'll take the final question. Uh, for, it's from our friends at the Owls of Merrycast. Of course it is. They have a sartorial question about the pictures of Marco Matej in the Winter Gardens that featured in the programme Wednesday night. You'll have seen those on the website as well. Um, he, he's wearing, he's quite a fashionable character. Of course, he's continental. He doesn't play by the rules. Um, he's wearing very, very tight um, bleach blue ripped jeans. So they've asked, are they jeggings or just really tight jeans? Well, despite being a man on the cusp of middle age, I too like to sport a pair of stretch skinnies. In fact, that's what I was wearing for the match last night. They're very comfortable. I can confirm that Marco is 100% wearing tight jeans. It's just that his athletic thighs, calves, traps and glutes. I don't think traps, that's not right. Uh, Thighs, calves and glutes. Uh, they're stretching them to a point where they're effectively a second skin at this point. So um, I think that perhaps he's doing that to take attention away from his Ross from Friends uh, uber white teeth. Um, I don't know, but uh, you know, I, they're definitely not jeggings. They are uh, tight <laughs> jeans that have been worn. To the, I think they might have been ripped because of it, the power of his thighs. Who knows? Um, so yeah, sorry to giggle so, through that, Eddie, but um, I've just seen what Dan Fudgers just posted on. Um, on, on Twitter, which is related to Marco Matthias, and I don't I don't even know where to start with it because I've had some real fun with uh, Al sort this week and the the pictures of my I, I find the, the the new program pictures, which is just Wednesday fans looking generally 
uncomfortable in public places around Sheffield. Quite funny. And the Marco Matthias one's particularly good because we made a joke um, between um, ourselves and Al's talk that maybe afterwards what happened is he ran outside, saw one of the big silver ball things um, and kicked it thinking it was a football, broke his foot and you know put himself out for the season. It turns out there is a photo of him, like just stood there admiring one of the big silver balls, which now uh, Dan Fudge has turned into what is, you know, by far and away the biggest giant cake ball that football has ever seen. I can't, I, I can't, I can't do it justice without saying just go to uh, at Dan Fudge to see it. It's brilliant. It's uh, yeah. You might can we retweet it from the uh, from the TWW cast account just to. Uh, I'm doing it as I'm, we speak. I, I, I don't have access to it, but yeah, it, it's uh, it's very reminiscent of one of my new favourite accounts, uh, McFadden's Cold War. So uh, if if you get that, it's uh, it's right up there, lads. So with that in mind, a, a cake ball can finish any episode. Um, that's all for the Wednesday week team for this week we will continue to sample review and evangelize about the greatness of the food and drink at the riverside cafe on catch bar lane before and possibly after the ipswich match on saturday but until then you can catch us online james how would people go about doing that uh just to absolutely clarify this it is at james marriott not at <laughs> j james marriott for although we are now best buds for g what about you sir um I'm at Dan Fudge on Twitter and I'll be uh, putting big balls of cake on other various photos. Stay tuned for that, kids. <laughs> and if you want to see many examples of my tight jeans, then at Sausage Arms on Instagram and indeed Twitter. Uh, before you say anything, it's cold outside in a lot of those pictures and I'm clearly experiencing some shrinkage. Um, so with that image burned into your brains, I bid you adieu on behalf of Fudgy and James. Until next time, thanks for listening and a ta-ra! It's the 90th minute. You've got all your mates round. You've got your McNugget chair boxes coming down the left wing, ready to go. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points back of the net. Lubosh! Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com for more information. See you later! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.